Blog Talk Radio. I was a junior in high school, 
I was not even two. <laughs> you're not even two. And for those that don't know, no, I'm not going to do a whole white boy problems thing. You all keep your pants on here. Um, but I am going to tell you that back in the day, I ran with the New York hardcore punk scene. Uh, used to go to the PWAC, as they called it. The People with AIDS Center used to do a hardcore show for all ages uh, down Strong Island. I used to go to that. I used to go to the Roseland to see the bigger shows, Irving Plaza, the Wetlands. I used to go to all these places to see concerts. And... Um, you know, back you know, back then, uh, a lot of New York hardcore punk bands, and I had just gotten some inklings about this. Uh, I don't know if you'd call them punk or not. You know, Clutch was Clutch was a very even back then was a very hard band to put into a category. Uh, now they call them stoner rock because uh, of the blues influence and such. But you know, but back then, uh, even Corrosion of Conformity, which is lumped into the stoner rock category. I don't know if it was yep. considered stone rock even back then. But in any case, I, I had had some, you know, some inklings towards Clutch. And then I went to uh, this hardcore, like, Lollapalooza at the Roseland Ballroom. And the uh, the headliner was actually Biohazard. Uh, they were being supported by Marauder and then, like, a bunch of local bands. Yeah. And one of those bands, strangely enough, was Clutch. And I knew that because they played the following song, which was the beginning of my love affair with this band. It's called A Shogun Named Marcus. Back as 1993 is their lyrical styling. When you first heard Shogun named Marcus, and you know, and they do that, you know, the bebop, you do the wop bamboo, I love that. Yeah, oh, what did God. you think of, of the of the lyrics of that when you first heard it? Oh, I was walking around my uh, 
was walking around the house actually today going, wop, 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 Yeah, I mean, I loved it because, you know, usually I listen to stuff that's semi-serious. I mean, these guys are just having so much fun. It's awesome. Just so much fun. You know, and doing the goofy lyrics, you know, fun, 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 fun. One of the things that I absolutely loved about Clutch um, from the start, and like I said, you know, I'm coming from a base of hardcore punk, uh, thrash metal, and while Clutch doesn't t- didn't even then fit totally into that, they had that like very hard rock feel to them. Um, you know, it's that's a rip roaring song to start off with, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's a fun podcast to start. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, yeah, so I, when I first heard them. And I'm like, oh, that's that's a that's a fast song, you know. It's a pretty rocking song. There's a lot of there's a lot going on with it, but definitely the lyrics are what stood out to me. Um, Clutch was definitely a departure from a lot of bands that were around at the time. You know, 1993 was just very much the start of the, you know, the quote unquote alternative era. You know, the, uh, the Seattle sound. You had your Pearl Jam, um, your Soundgarden, your Alice in Chains, your Mother Love Bone, and all that. Um, then on the other side, as we ca- as we cataloged in our Pantera retrospective, you had sort of the rebirth of heavy metal, and Clutch just kind of fit right in there. And that is going to be a constant theme with Clutch. I often refer to them um, as the greatest band no one's ever heard of. <laughs> They've never really fit into uh, a particular genre very well. And while Clutch's music has been used all in all over, you know, video games, movies, television shows. I just recently discovered tonight that they used the song in The Walking Dead, for example. I think when people hear Clutch without even knowing who the band is, they're like, oh, this is really, really good. This is some pretty rocking stuff. I enjoy this. And yet they have no idea who this band is. And so, like I said, even going as far back as 1993, they there was some it was very hard to kind of place them into a particular genre. They didn't fit in with the heavier stuff. They certainly weren't um, like a top 40 kind of pop rock band. They were just kind of there. And as you and I talked about before the show started, you have this very, very basic, um, this is kind of what I want you to speak to, it's a very, very basic sound to start with. And then a couple albums in, they really start to find their sound. And from that they build a uh, just an empire of awesomeness. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I did mention that earlier in the show. So this first album, like, I did like it. I liked it, but after listening to like, the later album, I'm like, dude, I can't go back. <laughs> you just, yeah, you just you just can't do that. It's like you know, I've tasted the Mountain Dew. I can no longer go back. They are it's definitely good. one of these bands that they with almost every album. I mean, now here and there they they do an album that's just kind of okay. But Clutch's OK is still better than anything else out there. Yeah, yeah, because like this, like this first album's kind of—I don't want to say one note because that's kind of discredit. That's making them sound boring. They're not boring. It's just compared to this, the later stuff. It's got like a lot of blues in it. It's got some blues in it. It's got some. It's got some bluegrass in it. It's got some gospel. It's got some harder gospel. It's got some harder stuff in it. It's got like stuff, keyboards, harmonicas, everything. You don't really find as much of that in this in that this first album because, no. as you said, they're a product of the time. Which, when listening to some of this stuff, I really got reminded of uh, like White Zombie. Got reminded of them some. I got uh, some, you know, as you mentioned before, Corrosion of Conformity. Their mid stuff, not like the crossover that they used to play. 
the corrosion conformity, they really, they, I don't want to say they fit into like the sound that was around at the time, but you can definitely peg them more then than you can now. Okay, we're going to go ahead and play Robert's Pick uh, off this album, Transnational Speedway League. This is Robert's Pick, and then we'll go to him and figure out uh, why he picked this one in particular. This is In the Great Shining Path of Monster Trucks. I kind of got from this. 
Well, never uh, underestimate the the uh, the power of a catchy uh, catchy hook. Oh yeah, there are many now, bands that have uh, made their name on a catchy hook. Indeed. Now, before we transition into the second studio album, and I want to be clear about this for those of you who are huge Clutch fans, you're not going to hear stuff off like "Slow Hold of China" or uh, "Pitchforks and Needles." Um, unfortunately, we don't have the kind of time tonight to be playing anything that was either on an EP or a, a best of or a live album or a, you know a compilation of demos and such. Um, that'll we'll have to do. You know, maybe one day we'll do the deep clutch, the deep cuts. Uh, oh podcast. God! <laughs> I would be dead. <laughs> just because I just because I feel the need to share what would a Wookiee do with everybody. But uh, we're sticking to the uh, studio albums proper tonight. Uh, and before we transition into the self-titled album, which was their second studio album, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the live Clutch experience. I'm actually going to see them May 11th. And Clutch is one of those bands, like I said, i got a friend of mine who, you know, if you are like music, Robert Cooper is music. I've got a buddy of mine named Paul who is the antithesis of that. He's never been to a concert. He's, you know, like music is he's kind of like my wife in that sense where music is just kind of in the background of his life. It's not the thing that he thinks about. It's just kind of there and he can take it or leave it. Um, and like I said, he's never been to a concert. And, you know, to me, Clutch is gospel and I preach it. I share it with the world. I am a missionary for Clutch. And I was like, I, for <laughs> shut <Love> up. <laughs> in the religious it. sense. In the religious sense. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. You take Dirty. it for Clutch. <laughs> um, in any case, I I'm so jazzed about Clutch and the new album and the and you know, the experience of seeing them live that I bought tickets for not just myself and my wife. My wife, who never heard of this band before, like was turned on to them mostly because you know I've brought her to a bunch of shows and she realized how great they are. But also, she's just you know my enthusiasm for them also made her a fan. Um, I'm such a fan of this band that I'm like I'm making this guy go. Like I was like <laughs> it's not it's not right that you've never been to a concert. Number one, that's on American, damn it. Um, number two. If you're going to go to any concert, you should go to this one. And and I chose this one over Rockstar Mayhem, which I also have tickets for, but that's all uh, I asked. Well, mm, Rockstar Mayhem, if this dude doesn't like music, he's going to get killed because you have, like, the really the deathcore stuff that I don't really like. And you sure. have the stuff that I'm try- Then you have the stuff that I would, like, sell a hobo's kidney for, like Avon Amar and Venus. <laughs> Well, that, that's my point. I figure if he's going to have one concert experience in his, in his life, it should be Clutch. But th- that being said, Clutch does a really, really good job, especially when they've done their um, one night with Clutch tours where it's just them. And, like, they might have um, the, the drummer's side project, the Bakerton group, and, like, open for them and, you know, do a couple of songs, get the crowd going. And then they do two sets, and it's a long show. Uh, with an intermission, those have probably been my favorite clutch shows, and I've seen them like a dozen times. But uh, they have not played the, this next song at any clutch show I've ever been to ever since maybe that one show back in 1993 or four uh, when I saw them with Marauder and Biohazard. And I'm not going to play the whole song. I don't play the whole song of any of any track. But this particular song, it's about like six seven minutes long, and the first five of it you can just completely do without. Because what everyone loves about this song is the end, and it goes a little something like that. Come on, 
demand every UFC fighter walk out to just that. Seriously, why have they not? Like, that song is what Kid Rock wishes he were would have been in the night. <laughs> but more importantly to the whole point of me playing it is that... Um, more importantly to the whole point of me playing that was they've never played it live. Like I said, why? maybe... Maybe they played it live back when um, back when I saw them with Marauder and Biohazard. Maybe they've played it live, you know, in some other gigs that I just never saw. But like I said, I've I've seen, I've been on every tour, every tour that Clutch has come around for. I've seen them either in New York, Jersey, Philly, Florida. I, I've I, I have traveled to see this band. They are my Grateful Dead, as it were. And they've ne- never won tournament play. And people chant it. People chant, binge and purge, binge and purge. And Clutch will, like, noodle on guitars, you know, play a harmonica, do a jig, turn the lights on and go home, yeah, whatever. No, in, in whatever atmosphere, whatever gig I've ever seen them at, they've never played binge and purge. And to this day, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't want to look it up. I don't want to know. I'd rather leave it a mystery. Oh, that is like the perfect. What's that? That's the perfect opener. That's the perfect like ending song before your encore. It's the perfect middle of the road song. Oh, because it's got so much energy. And again, like, it's like, like it's so. That's like the most aggressive clutch song I've ever heard. And they've. And I don't think they've ever like captured that level of aggression. And they don't need to. They're, they're not just you know they're not eight breed for Christ's sakes. But um, <laughs> time to murder it. <laughs> it's, it's, it is time to murder it. But, you know, there it is. Hashtag, come on, motherfucker, it's time to murder it. There's the phrase that pays. Um, there you go. That's, that's 2013 right there. There it is. But, uh, yeah, I, I've just, I've never, I, I don't know if it's one of the things where Clutch is just not, like, proud of that. You know, it's kind of, they go back to that. Because like, they play Shogun named Marcus. I've heard them play Monster Trucks. They play Rats all the time. Uh, they play They Call Me El Jefe. They play all of these great songs from that album. I mean, they've got a rather significantly large catalog. Um, yeah. So it's you know so so they try to mix up the old with the new. They try to play a lot of the stuff that you know that people really really enjoy. It's why they play Shogun because people think it's one of the, you know longtime fans. It's one of their favorite songs. It's one of the most well known songs by uh, Clutch from that era. But yet, no binge and purge. And it's not like people have forgotten about it. I guarantee you there will be people in the crowd when I see them in Orlando yelling for Binge and Purge, and Clutch will turn a deaf ear to them. Yeah, that's kind of odd, because, like, Clutch, they sound kind of the opposite of Iron Maiden. Like, you know, Maiden did a tour, I think it was, yeah, last year, because I missed it, sadly. I could have went. It was, uh, they played all the, they played the set from Maiden England in the 80s. Well, before that, they were doing tours for just the new album, and they would only play the new album and, like, one or two songs. You'd miss out on the Red Sits. That sounds like the opposite. Yeah, they sound like the anti clutch. Now, as for just randomly thinking, I'm like, I don't know, maybe Binge and Purge is like uh, The Conjuring is the Dave Mustaine. I don't know if you ever heard about that one. Dave Mustaine refuses to play The Conjuring. No, I did not know that. Yeah, because he's now like a born-again Christian, and that song is apparently a hex because he was dabbling in witchcraft at the time. (laughs) So, yeah, so he kind of refuses to play it, which I'm like, well, I guess you have 13 albums. You can get away with it. Mommy for refusing to play Girls, Girls, Girls. Why would you just, like, yeah, we're not really proud of that anymore. It's, it's embarrassing. What? Let's forget we what? did this. God, and that's <laughs> silly. I mean, I heard the newest song they put out for, like, free, and I deleted it off my computer. It was so bad. 
I'm not saying they have, but it would be like that kind of a thing. Like, you know, I don't just randomly deciding we're not going to play this song. I don't think like Madonna plays even like her older music, you know, the old, uh, you know, material girl uh, era type of stuff. And to, to this day, I think it's still Madonna's best work. Because um, I don't know about you, but we are living in a material girl, material world, and I am a material girl. There's no such thing as Madonna's best. I do not like that woman. <laughs> oh, boo. All right. Let's, this is like the Madonna podcast. Now, listen. Um, in 1995... Oh, not Jeremy Lambert. <laughs> I don't think he's a Madonna fan either. He's all Taylor Swift. Um, Poor man. Anyways. <laughs> we love I you, love Jeremy. You, Lambert. <laughs> um, in 1995, they released their second studio album. And I think th- this could be considered the, the genesis of their quote-unquote stoner rock uh, feel. This I, I I feel like there was this was such a departure from the uh, tra- uh, tra- transnational speedway that it kind of threw people off. And I think a lot of people who were expecting more binge and purge basically, and they got this instead, might have actually been turned off by Clutch. Um, but in doing so, they brought in a whole new level of fan. Um, and and years later, they'll get the, some of those people back with uh, careful with that mic, unfortunately, and some of the other stuff that they put out. But ultimately, I think this is the beginning of what is what is the quintessential stoner rock clutch groove blues sound. And we're going to start, actually, with one of Rob's choices. It's probably one of the most popular songs on this album. Uh, it's the one that everyone likes to chant when you go to the show. You've been moshing, you've been sweaty. You've been dancing around, and then they break it down, and they play this one. They dim the lights, and everyone gets into it, and it's just an awesome song. It's called Space Grass. Aldrin 
just me Don't worry, it's coming Don't worry, it's coming I love that part. First of all, if you've ever been to a live clutch show and you're there, you know, like half the crowd's people that know and the other half are people that don't know, you know, what they know about clutch, not a whole heck of a lot, but just what they've seen and what they've heard, you know, in, in a movie or in a commercial or on the radio or whatever. And, you know, and, and they're hearing these songs, and then all of a sudden they play Spacecraft, and they're just like, what the hell is this? Why is this so slow? I can't mosh to this. And then you got the rest of us kind of putting a finger in the face, and they're saying, don't worry, it's coming. <laughs> and then they hit the <laughs> – true story, by the way. <laughs> don't worry, it's coming. And you hit that Jesus on the dashboard part, and fucking elbows start flying, man. <laughs> it's awesome. What an experience. It sounds like quite an experience, like – this song, like when I first heard it, I wasn't. I was kind of in the background because I was doing something. I forget what I was doing. Oh yeah, I was typing up the uh, my top five for the site last night that didn't get put in because I submitted it too late. <laughs> yeah, it was a. Uh, like the first time I heard it, I was like, okay, you know, this kind of ambient. I like this, and then it changes us on the dashboard. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, they they sneak that aggression in here and there, you know. They're, like I said, they're not, you know, like one of these super aggressive um, metalcore bands. Obviously, not even close. But <laughs> but they do, you know. But it, but if someone you know would say like, oh, I don't like Clutch. It's too sissy for me. You know, you can bring them back to this and going, dude. Clutch in their early years was some uh, aggressive, angry people. They just did it in a way that was, you know, musically. Uh, talented, as opposed to just yelling at people. Yeah, like this this song right here like brings in some of my favorite elements. Like it has a real Sabbath vibe to it, with that real slow and kind of the drone to it, and that riff yeah, it does sound a little bit like like Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. Yeah, it's got a little bit of a Sabbath vibe. It's still got some of that stoner vibe. I love stoner metal. I really do. Like I got some stoner metal today. <laughs> it's got some. It's got some of that. It's got that aggression. You know, it's got it's got many elements, and I really dig that. And I really dig that there's they bring lots of things to the table in such a long song. Really One of the other long. things about uh, the self-titled now this is Clutch by Clutch. It's a self-titled album. Um, one of their big, one of their uh, biggest selling albums, actually, of all time um, uh, in their catalog. But it was also one of the first albums that they put out that really had a thematic feel to it. Um, Clutch is very much absorbed with space and science fiction and such, and uh, this second album by them, uh, it comes that comes full force. You really get a, a feel for what this band tends to be about. Now they'll kind of come back and forth uh, to it, and you know they'll they'll add elements to it down the line. But one of the things that people uh, treasure about this album is that science fiction feel to it. So you've got songs like uh, Space Grass. Um, you know, Big News 1 and 2, there's, there's a, some of those elements in there. Uh, the song that I picked that I want to play is probably one of my favorites from this album. And it's because, and this is another element to uh, Clutch. Somebody uh, in a comment that I was reading about them saying, Clutch doesn't, Neil Fallon doesn't sing. Singer of Clutch. Neil Fallon doesn't sing, he preaches. 
And that's true. He preaches. He tells stories. He's not up there yelling, and he's not crying, and he's not singing, really. <laughs> he's, you know, he's up there like a um, like a Baptist minister, you know what I mean? And when he oh, does God. a song that tells you a story, you, you know, as, as aggressive and as fun as the music is, you're really into the story. And that's part of the reason why I love this next song. This is called Escape from the Prison Planet. Uh, 
Neil Fallon does a really, really good job of sort of stepping outside of himself and singing songs in character and sort of taking you on, on a journey while still making it sound like, um, you know, songs with hooks and riffs and choruses and whatnot. And, you know, it, it, I really, I don't think he gets a, a tremendous amount of credit for being one of the most unique voices as far as vocalists go in, in music today. Uh, well, I've never, I've never heard of them until you made me listen to them. So I can't really say much on that. <laughs> and that, folks, is why I refer to Clutch as the greatest band nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Um, we fast forward uh, to 1998 with uh, an album called The Elephant Riders, and this one again took a, took a departure thematically from what they were doing before. Oof. It is hard to sort of pinpoint where they were going with this album, and that by no means is a criticism. It, it's just it was just kind of all over the place, and as far as themes go. So we'll start right off with the title track. It's called "The Elephant Riders." Thank you. 
studio working, working. All right, Rob. <laughs> what of all the songs you could have picked out from the Elephant Riders? Why the Soap Makers? Well, another, another, another one of these songs. I'm like, I love that. That's just like a fun title. I don't know why I like it, but I'm like Soap Makers. <laughs> but anyways, anyways. <laughs> I love the intro to it. I'm like, oh, this is just so like fast, groovy. Those kind of make me want to dance. And then as you get further into the song, it kind of keeps that beat, but then it changes tempo to kind of something a little slower. Something a little slower. I really enjoyed that. I like that they brought something different because you know when I first started listening to the song, I'm like, oh, this is just gonna be a straightforward rocker. Okay, I'm good with that. And then it's like changed the tempo, and I'm like, shit, <laughs> I like this. <laughs> I did not see this coming, but I am not. I am happily. Happily surprised. That is definitely a nice, concise uh, review of Clutch. I didn't see this coming, but I really liked it. Yeah, I'm happily surprised. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, now, I've been gush- gushing about Clutch, and part of the reason why is, you know, I say this is a band for musicians. This is, a, you know, this is for um, musicians who like music kind of a thing. And part of the reason why I say that, obviously, um you know, the actual musicianship, the lyrics, the vocals, it's all very different. It's also because when I hear a lot of music today, and Robert, I'm going to let Robert weigh in on this before we play the song. When I hear a lot of music today, it's a lot, uh, some, of the, some of the music that I hear, um, I'll think it's one band and it's actually some band that I've like never even heard of. And that sort of speaks to, look, there are only so many ways you can arrange music in this world. And a lot of it ten- is so similar, it's very easy to just kind of get lost in the monotony of it all. One of the things that I like about Clutch is so many of their songs stand out from anything I've ever heard before. And while you might say, oh, well, this sounds like this kind of genre of music, and it's not the most well-known thing, you might say, oh, it sounds kind of folky, it sounds this, it sounds that. I just, It's so hard to really encapsulate what Clutch is doing with their music. So that's part of why I, I say like they're one of the best. You know, Even if you're not necessarily a fan of this type of music, I think you can appreciate there's really nobody else that sounds anything like them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like I, I actually am kind of a fan of that type of music. I really love funky, bluesy stuff. It's just not really in my usual CD repertoire. But uh, just just to comment on what you're talking about, like a lot of bands sound alike nowadays, I think that's a huge problem. Not just because it's monotonous, just because, well, honestly, I don't think the same chords they're playing, I don't think are really worth playing anymore. They've either been done or they've not been done well, and everybody's just kept copying the same thing. I feel like it's really kind of, it's not like popular music's degraded a bit. Like, I know that when it comes to classic rock, the only reason we love it so much is because, you know, it's the classics, they don't play the shit. But at the same time, a lot of times the shit's kind of raising, <laughs> rising to the top of the bowl. <laughs> it's the nugget, as, as, as it were. Yes, that's that's kind of how it is. Like that one like really stanky turd starting to come up to the top of the bowl. <laughs> and that's kind of how popular music feels to me nowadays. I know I, I don't want to sound like too much of a grumpy old metalhead, but... That's kind of what it feels like. And one thing I can say after listening to most of Clutch, I have not listened to every track of every album because I have problems doing that with bands I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's like a certain point where I can only procrastinate so many so many albums at one time. But but what I've heard, they definitely they bring something different each album, even within within an album. You can be like, oh, well, this sounds like that, and then you hear the next song, it's like, oh, well, this sounds like something else. It's fun. 
it's just kind of like a roll of the dice. Like, you know, oh, what are we going to get? I don't know. Roll the dice. That's right. So I'm going to play a song now, which doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before. It's probably why I love it so much, but it's also, it, it, it speaks to me on many, many levels, one of which is my fat guy level. This is called Jack Chris Cornell's job in Soundgarden. <laughs> just, just just rolled up in there like the shield, you know, just beat the crap out of Chris Cornell. I'm like, just follow my lead, sonny. <laughs> just, random, just random scab vocals in there. And was like, oh, God, oh, God, that's Mike Patton. That's Mike Patton. And then like, Chris Cornell's looking, and just out from the bricks comes Mike Patton, punches him in the face, and just starts, Starts thinking about the holidays and what he had for dinner. <laughs> it's such was a that... weird song, you know what I mean? That's why I said, like, I've never heard anything like that before. Like, could you just imagine, like, you had no clue. Like, some, like, like you're dating a girl and you want to impress her and she brings you to the show and you've never heard of this band before. And this is the first thing you hear. For Thanksgiving, we had taters. And you're like, what the fuck am I listening to? <laughs> I honestly, I think I'd love her more because you know a girl that can that can introduce you to a song about Thanksgiving and mashed potatoes. She's a keeper. <laughs> you, don't really, you don't really get that. I uh, I was reading comments in preparation for the show, and I was reading a bunch of different things. I was reading some comments um, about the song, and people were like this would be like a holiday song. Like you should like you know it, Santa Claus is coming to town. We wish you Merry Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Wishbone. Wishbone, the Hanukkah song. Dominic the Donkey. Yes. Oh, God. You know, I'd never heard that song until I was in a Goodwill last last year, and it came on. I'm like, what in the fuck am I listening to? I think the first year we did the podcast, like, I, I started it in February of 2011, and I think by, like, Christmas, um, you know, I I opened the show with that, and it was like, you know, <laughs> it was like, and everybody, like, outside of New York, unless you, li- you know, unless you, you're familiar with WCBS FM and have Italian friends uh, from the New York area, no one's ever heard of Dominic, the Italian Christmas donkey. Uh, so when I play it for people, they're just like, did you make this song up? I mean, or, you know, like, they think it's a gag, and then they hear the song, they were like, is this a joke? I'm like, no, this is, uh, this is some, like, Italian dude who, who sang a Christmas song. 
How many lines of coke were you snorting with in Houston? Why did you come up with this? <laughs> so we're gonna it is transition. So catchy though. It really yeah. is. Well, first of all, the singing. hooks in it are awesome. You know, and then when they get to the chorus, and he's, he's like, he's singing this sort of weird, like weird, like deep voice, and he's, you know, and he's singing about his meal at Thanksgiving, and then all of a sudden, bam, I'm losing it, and it's, you know, and it gets really crunchy, and then we're we're back just telling the story again. Yeah, we are. No, I was talking about Dominic the Christmas Donkey. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> no, that was, it is a really cool song. It is a cool song, though. He is, uh, he is a lot like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, except that he's Italian. Oh, God. Oh, Rudolph the Guido Reindeer. <laughs> Stop that now, googly. All right, let's transition here to 1999, because that's how we're going to potty. Um, oh, and... God. <laughs> I'll bring, now, I'll bring the M64. <laughs> uh, this is Jam Room. And Jam Room uh, is also how we start this podcast uh, every two weeks when we do one of these. We start off with Who Wants to Rock, which I, I, the clutch has actually started some shows with Who Wants to Rock, and it's just it's just the perfect opener. It really is. It's, it's a great way to open a show. It's a great way to open an album. Um, I, I just, I love that, like, who wants to rock, da-? you know, it's so, like, so it's like, you know, it's like, uh, it's clobbering time by, uh, sick of it all, it's just, you know, one phrase, and that's all you need to know, <laughs> but, uh, the whole album, if anything could be considered Clutch's experimental album, it's this one, and I feel like all the previous albums sort of, you know, led to this, and from this, they went in all these other different directions, um, the last couple of Clutch albums, I feel like, start with Jam Room. Um, and it's just them doing all kinds of weird stuff with music. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's psychedelic, but it's definitely bizarre. Um, they, they do some really, really funny things with, the, with, uh, with music in this album. Did you get a chance to listen to all of it? Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Sorry, I thought you were gonna, thought you were gonna enter into the song. My bad. No, uh, I I did. I listened to most of it. I didn't listen to all because, like I said, I was, I tried to cram in what was it, eight, nine albums in three days because I procrastinated when I had a month. <laughs> yeah, I really, I felt like it, I I agree with what you said. I kind of felt like it had it had a different quality from the other the other albums because the other albums, you know. You kind of you got some of those, those stoner heavy tracks. You got a few. You got a few of those just really hard rock tracks. This one kind of it was different. You didn't always get that, which I know that's clutch in a nutshell. But I think it. It's this is as you said the bridge between old like the older clutch and the newer clutch. It's nineteen ninety nine. When bands, yeah, as we approach the millennium. Um, you know, when bands, certain bands like like Metallica or you know some other bands out there, they'll do an album where they're experimenting with a new sound. Uh, it, it ends it ends up turning off a lot of fans, and I don't know how many people were turned off by Jam Room. Um, I think it made more fans. So this is one of those areas where I think Clutch was very very successful in doing an experimental album and garnering more fans with uh, some very interesting music. Um, I'm gonna let you speak to that, and then we're gonna play the first track. Go ahead. No. Yeah, I can't really speak of at the time because I was kind of sort of like, what, eight? (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, I think I think that I do agree. Like as I was coughing while you were talking, I was like Saint Anger. Yeah, like Saint Anger was Saint Metallica trying to do something new, but it wasn't what the fans wanted, and that can be a problem. Like if you have a change in sound that nobody likes, it it, it, it can really kind of make your fan base shit. Like Metallica. Like you know, I'm sure you've read my column before, Mark. Every time I mention Metallica, what do the comments say? Fuck Metallica. <laughs> that kind of. Like, yeah, oh, actually, I start I start joking about it, because I'm just like, I get tired of saying it, I'm like, okay, I'm like, Metallica, okay, guys, fuck Metallica. <laughs> yes, 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 fuck Metallica, yeah. very good. Okay, okay, yes, I understand the 90s was rough, but shut up, the yeah. 80s was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like, like if an album like Jam Room really went wrong, it would have ended up doing, like, what happened to Metallica, like, their good, the goodwill they built up with the... With the audience that slowly started whittling, the, the, the goodwill would have been gone. You would have had a lot. The only people that would have been left are like the hardcore fans, like you, <laughs> the people that have seen them eighteen thousand times in seventeen states, like you know, with your Christmas donkey. You, you wouldn't have, yeah, you wouldn't have a lot of the, you wouldn't have a lot of those the fans that show up at the shows now. They're like, oh yeah, you know, I heard that one song by them and I really liked them. So you know, they're in town. I'm gonna go see them. You wouldn't have that if Jam Room would have failed, and it didn't. So that's why we're talking about it, because it's awesome. Yep. All right, so this is one of my favorite tracks off of this. Um, there, there's a bunch, and I've, I've actually, with the onset of this particular podcast, I now have permanent outro music for all of my podcasts, which will play at the very end of the show, and it's from this album. But I think oh, this song, this song's called Big Fat Pig. Oh, train! Right in the middle of it. 
Um, one of the one of the great things about Jam Room is it does have that feel like they just walked into his studio and started noodling, and he's just you know, and Neil Fallon's just kind of saying stuff. You you mentioned Mike Patton before, and I actually think that's a very apt comparison because uh, lyrically, Mike Patton and I think um, Clutch Neil Fallon uh, are very similar, very 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 bizarre, inventive, um, vivid lyrics. But they, this definitely felt like they just kind of showed up, and it's it's it, it, it um there's a feel to the music that very much speaks to the name of the album Jam Room. It definitely feels like they just kind of showed up to the studio and just started playing, and when they feel like they had a song, they hit record. That's yeah, honestly, I think that uh, and you're talking about how talented the musicians they were. I think that really does speak volumes about how talented they were on an album can pretty much have the feel of a jam session, yet still, like, feel... It, st- it still feels like they tried. It feels like they worked on it. Like, at the same time, it's still polished. It's still well done. It's still fun. But it just has a nice, a, light, a lighthearted kind of fun feel to it. Yes, very, very, very lighthearted. Um, and they definitely do still play some tracks off of this. They tend to play... Uh, they play... Um, they put Basket of Eggs. They play Release the Kraken occasionally. Uh, I've heard them play Sink 'em Low, uh, Gnome Enthusiast. They, they Raised by Horses is a big one they play constantly. Um, I occasionally hear them play Big Fat Pig. Um, I get very excited when they do. Uh, occasionally they'll open up either they'll open up the show or they'll open up their or they'll they'll do a um, an encore and they'll open it with Who Wants to Rock. So it's uh, it's it's definitely a feature in their in their shows even to this day. Now. You picked a song here called, uh, and it's not a song I'm actually particularly familiar with. Of all the songs that I listened to on Jam Room, for whatever reason, this one never jumped out at me. Um, not a bad song. Clutch never writes a bad song, mind you. But I'm just curious, what about, with all of these other songs on Jam Room, where did you come up with Swamp Boot Upside Down? Well, you know how usually I'm like, oh, I love the name of that. That is a hilarious hilarious name for a song and then I listened to it I'm like oh, I thought it had a really cool kind of kind of sludgy slow vibe to it so no if I'm not mistaken it is all instrumental right I think so I think it is all instrumental anyways yes instrumental and I just really loved the vibe of it I felt it was something different from you know like what you just played which was like sound like something the Godfather would come out to it's just like <laughs> I mean, I think the name of it says, oh, it sounds like a swamp boat's upside down. It feels really kind of slu- kind of sludgy. Like, I think when I looked at Wikipedia, it said this was like southern stone rock. I'm like, okay, yeah, this definitely feels like something that would come out of, like, the bayou. All right. Come on. So here it is from down on the bayou, swamp boot upside down. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs>
probably the highest praise I can give any band is if you're doing an instrumental and you can still keep my interest, uh, you're pretty you're pretty talented. Um, that's, yeah. That's, that's an interesting song. Yeah, it was like, like I will recant my statement slightly to edit it. It sounds like somebody's traveling down in a swamp boat down the bayou with a guitar. Like it kind of sounds like that. That like that's like down, down. It really feels like okay, yep, on the bayou, and then you see somebody like yep, just keep going. You kind of tell told a story in a dumb little way, and you just kind of imagine it. All right, in 2001, March 13, 2001, uh, Clutch released Pure Rock Fury, very much a departure from Jam Room, uh, built on the sound, absolutely. But I think if if they got the idea that, and Clutch does this every once in a while, where they're just like, okay, we've done too much kind of experimental stuff here, let's you know, let 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 let's do one for the label. You know what I mean? And and clutch, it's kind of like movies. You know, it's like you do one for for yourself, you do one for the studio. Pure Rock Fury was very much one for the label. This uh, had a lot of really really good, awesome rock songs to it. Definitely, definitely a clutch album for sure. But you definitely felt like they were trying to get some mainstream acceptance. They actually had a minor hit with uh, this first song that we're going to play here, which is actually kind of a parody of a rap song. This was big with the college kids at the time. 2001, if you were in college, you might have heard this on college radio, if you remember what that was. Uh, this is called <laughs> Careful With That Mic. <laughs> Up against Little John. Okay? Yeah. 
<laughs> like if my parents weren't like trying to sleep right now, I would totally just like belt out my little John impersonation. But no, just like slight tangent. Did you see on the site last night? Like I was like, oh, Lil Wayne's new album. Like, okay, like both Jeremy and Tony Acero reviewed it. Reviewed it. Oh, they put shit on it everywhere. <laughs> just like big greasy diarrhea. I'm like, oh, it's so gorgeous. Because you know when I, when I was in high school, you know, like in like 2008, you know, back then, everybody's like, oh, Lil Wayne's the greatest MC of all time. I'm like. He's a midget with bad tattoos and a horrible idea when trying to make a rock album. <laughs> but that was that was awesome, by the way. That rap, the rap song you just played. I think Sean. I think Sean Comer needs to like memorize it. So next time y'all do the uh, Road to Ruin, he just needs to pop off that and just hear you start squealing, squealing like a fangirl. If Sean Comer, the next uh, Long Road to Ruin that we're doing, we're going to be starting the Batman series uh, ooh, first. Ooh, is anybody the, um, on the bat? Say what? Is anybody guessing on that one yet? <laughs> Sam Riccati in theory. Uh, will be okay. Gu- we're not not the new one. We're not doing the, the Chris Nolan one. We're doing the... Um, oh, well, we're, I thought you were doing that afterwards. No, we're doing... Uh, what's his face? The Tim Burton years and then the Yuck years. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I need, to, I need to jump in on one of those. And I'll make sure I do my Batman voice the entire time. When we do the Chris Nolan one, if we ever get to it, well, I'll be happy to have you on the show. But in any case, um, yeah, if Chris, if Sean Comer starts up a long road to ruin and just freestyles careful with that mic, I don't think I'll be able to continue the podcast. What? It's stuck. It's like I'm done. Can't follow that. Yeah, I, and we're done, folks. Good night, everybody. But in, in all seriousness. One of my major criticisms of rap music, and they're not, they're, of course, it's not a rap band. They were doing a parody of a rap song, and it just happens to be one of the more popular songs, especially in mainstream audiences. And I think you can see why. I mean, that's probably the most intelligently written rap song I've ever heard. But it, it, first of all, Neil Fallon managed to the, 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 keep up that speed. I mean, he was almost like, like Onyx or, um, oh, God, uh Funk or something or other. Um, I mean, Funk Dubious, where they used to write rap backwards. Um, but That's silly. Yeah, it that is. That is impressive, but silly. There, there are certain rap groups where, uh, even like uh, some of like the Master P No Limit stuff, where they would just keep up this really, really fast uh, rhyming yeah, beat. Uh, twi- was it Twister? Twister did one. I remember because I, I used to watch MTV in 2003 when like, rap was still like okay. And I was in sixth grade. <laughs> so I mean, it's an impressive feat to be able to do. I can't do it. I, I have too much of a, um, I, I have too much of a lisp in, in the way that I speak uh, when I try to enunciate. Yeah, and I'm and I'm way too white. I don't. I I can't. I can't do a podcast that fast, let alone rap. So I, I give them all the credit in the world for those that can do it. But you know, Neil Fallon, who you know, who's this you know guttural stoner rock guitar player singer just busted out with you know with a rap song where lyrically and uh tempo wise I would legitimately put him with any of these other uh, other rappers I think that was incredible it, it indeed was I was kind of blown away cuz it's been a while, it's been a little while and by a little while I mean like a day since I heard that song I had so I have so much clutch on the brain right now I'm like what's that song oh okay now I remember <laughs> Um, but I, the other thing I was going to say about it is my biggest complaint about rap music is it tends to many much of it tends to be a lot about the same stuff, and I could say the same thing about you know a lot of rock songs. Though I think they have far greater range than most rap music. You know, and I don't know, if, you know Lambert or Jeremy Wilson or anybody else that's you know that's or Joseph Lee, anybody else that's out there who's like, no, you don't listen to enough rap music. There's range, sure, if if you say so. I haven't heard it. 
and I'm not totally close to that genre of music. But one of the reasons why I, I just am so fascinated by Careful With That Mic, and I'll tell you, it took me a long time to come back to it, because initially, because it was so popular, um, and especially with the White Hat crew, that I was I was very much turned off from it. But I'm not the obnoxious... Yeah, I, I'm not that obnoxious anymore, and I can appreciate a good song when I hear one, despite how popular it is. Oh, uh, I'm still obnoxious, but don't, I still like songs if they're popular, as long as they don't suck. That's the problem. <laughs> All right. A lot of times the popular songs are the ones you're like, I can find better. <laughs> now, speaking of uh, songs that are just great that everyone should love, here's the title track to this album. It's called Pure Rock Fury. Kind of a beat to it, and it's still kind of fun. Yeah, people tend to like that. 
that's what I'm starting to find out about people. I yeah, I would agree with you. I would say that people don't want to be overwhelmed by the music. People, many people. I'm gonna I'm gonna do kind of a psychological link here, but I feel like many people don't want to deal with um w- with being uh not the word I'm looking for here um confronted. They don't like confrontation. And but they, they don't want something too far from what they've heard. If you give them something like this, it kind of eases its way. It's, it's gateway, right. own gateway drug. They don't want to be pushed out of their comfort zone. They don't like confrontation. And I'll, I'll go back to something that my that my father said, which I thought was hilarious. You know, and he was talking about Judas Priest at the time. But he was like, "I don't like oh, I I feel like someone's that. yelling at me." Yeah, I remember. I think he told that one. I was like, "Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's nothing." <laughs> But that, that's my dad. But I, but you know, my dad, I think, is very much a is very much somebody who, um, while, while his music taste may not reflect the vast majority of people out there, at least the sentiment does. People don't want to be, you know. Look, not, you're going to find that many people don't like Cradle of Filth. Okay, it's just, just way too much for people. So you know, a song <laughs> like Pure Rock Fury, a lot of the songs off the Pure Rock Fury album are just that mix of just enough, you know. Uh, just, just enough uh, rock, just enough you know uh, aggression to qualify as you know, good heavy metal without it being overbearing to the point where you're going to scare the straights. Yeah, like it's, it's it kind of does like you said. Like people don't want to be confronted. It's got like it's got a few few elements to like that cover a broad range of people. Like what's that band? Like I don't know if you've listened to much in Tomb, but in Tomb's early stuff is death metal. And eventually they went into like a death and roll, which is like kind of a mix of like kind of a groove and death metal with like some rock and roll. It's really easy to get people into death metal through like a band like Entomb because they have that rock and roll feel. Again, just like Clutch. Clutch has that rock and roll feel. It's it's similar enough to what people usually like where they go, okay, I'm into this. And then there's like bands that maybe are heavier than Clutch. So they're like, oh, you know, I like Clutch. I kind of like this band too. And it just keeps building. So it's Tower of Babel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now, this next album, we go to 2004, and this is the beginning. This is where Clutch really got into the concept album. Um, you know, Jam Room it was kind of like a rebirth for Clutch, and then it was almost like they they started to follow very similar trends to their first couple of albums. So, like, Transnational and Pure Rock Fury are very similar, and this next one... Uh, Blast Tyrant has a very similar feel to uh, the self-titled album. Um, more of the science fiction elements to it, but this is also where they begin the beginning. They began to play a lot with blues, real heavy, thick blues. And you won't know it by listening to this song, but it's probably one of the best on there. It's called Prophets of Doom.
I think modern clutch fans love Blast Tyrant the most. There's so many great songs off of there, and I remember they toured a lot for Blast Tyrant, and when they would play Mercury, Prophets of Doom, uh, the next song we're going to play, which is The Mob Goes Wild, man, people just came unglued, and they're such groovy, catchy songs. What do you think of Prophets of Doom, Rob? That was that was pretty cool. Like, that's actually one of the songs that I didn't get to, because like I said, I was, like once I got around the end, I started just skipping around trying to find everything that I could. And I really regret not saying like I don't know if I said this. I know I said this earlier. I wish I would have done the like the later albums in the full, and then the early albums kind of spotty because it's a little easier to get the uh, those early albums in full. But like, did you find yourself song, asking I really, why I like this band so much when you fo- were focusing on the early albums, and then like, oh, that's why when you heard the later ones? Yeah, because like they have blues like. Cool thing. The thing I love about bands that like incorporate blues, like uh, Black Country Communion. Like when I first heard them, I was like, "Wow, you know, I really like this. It's got this hard rock vibe, but it's got something else." And I haven't really heard that before because you know, I was like, "What? Yeah, I was in my high school, like early, like late high school. You know, you don't listen to much blues in high school." So I was like, "Wow, okay." So then I picked up Joe Bonamassa, who's the guitarist from there, and I feel like a band like Clutch, they can do that as well. Like you know, you're like, "Oh, I really like this." Uh, I really like this bluesy sound. I want, I want to kind of find things that are more like that. And even if you work in reverse, if you like blues, you find clutch. You're like, okay, wow, I really like what they're doing with this sound that I love so much. It's neat. It's neat, neat, neat. As a musician, Rob, talk to me about, um, and you don't have to necessarily just focus on Blast Tyrant, but the whole collective clutch catalog that you've listened to so far what can you tell me about their guitar playing as a musician because you know i can tell you about themes and sounds and experiences but i'm not a musician um well, i'm not a guitar player <laughs> you play bass don't you no no that's my best friend he plays bass uh what do you no, play? my best friend plays i play trumpet and i play tuba and i'm a damn good uh metal vocalist but otherwise <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have a three-string guitar that's out of tune and not worth repairing Oh, okay. I thought you were—I thought you were a guitar player, but I don't know. Can you answer that though? Can, can you? What did you pick up about the guitar playing through uh, throughout these different Clutch albums? Well, one thing I can say: there's a lot of different stylings to it. Like you don't hell, you don't need to be a musician to know that. It's like you've like you heard like the straightforward stuff from the early albums that was just in your face and like balls to the wall. Just, you know, it's really fast. And then you've got the stuff that's more ambient, more Black Sabbath-like. You've got stuff sludgy. You've got that shit that sounded like. Sounded like it was the Godfather's entrance music. You've got <laughs> Drop the Mic. You've got all of this different stuff. They play so many different styles, and they do it all well. And they can they can alternate in between them. That that's that's definitely what I can say about the musicianship. It's varied. It's crisp. It's just great. I like the use of the wah pedal. Um, you know, people people just like thought Tom Morello was just king shit when Rage Against the Machine came in because he would do some pretty weird stuff with his guitar, make it make some pretty weird sounds. And, okay, he was kind of a one-trick pony in that sense because Clutch does all kinds of stuff like that throughout their music. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Morello is to the wah pedal as well. Kirk Hammett's solos are to the wah pedal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's, right. there's a picture I saw once online. that had Kirk Hammett with acoustic guitars. says, well, I had the wah in later, right? <laughs> So this next song um, had a great video for it starring Bam Margera of Jackass fame. This is called The Mob Goes Wild. Please allow me to adjust my pants so that I may dance the good time dance and put the onlookers and innocent bystanders into a trance.
sorry. <laughs> now I'm thinking about home improvement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could totally see them playing around in the cage. I could see them playing in something like Rocky, like a hurricane style. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, did you, have you seen the video for The Mob Goes Wild and Bam Margeric just getting the shit kicked out of him? Oh, God, you know, actually, I watched the video of it, but I wasn't really watching it. I was reading while the song was on. God, that's a dream. Bam Margera is such a cunt. <laughs> like, like I hate I hate to call a man something like that, but he really should have gotten his ass kicked when he was 10. Like, <laughs> like, like if I did to like his dad what he does, if I did to my dad what he does to his, I'd be dead by now. <laughs> there was a, uh, I don't typically watch this show. What ends up happening is my wife watches all of the Cartoon Network um, adult swim show, re- repeat, syndicated, syndicated shows. It's like King of the Hill, American Dad, that. and then Family Guy. And if you, you know, if you leave the TV on and you wake up, you'll catch something like Lawyer Squad. And I happened to have caught one night they were doing like like the black version of Jackass, and and they did that black bit ass. where like you know where the black kids get like oh, I'm gonna kick my dad's ass, and so he hides in the closet and he jumps out and his dad's on the toilet and the dad's like get off me and like shoots him. <laughs> My favorite one's from the Jackass movie, where uh, he went to the Phil, like his dad. He went to his dad's van and put fireworks in it. <laughs> and he put fireworks in the house, and then he set them off. So his parents were like, "Oh my God, what's happening?" So they went back to bed. So you know, <laughs> when he gets back to his van, he's like getting ready to start it, and all the fireworks go off at like four in the morning. He's like, "Ah, damn it, bam!" <laughs> It's funny and everything, but I, I kind of, with the guys from Loiter Squad, if I had done anything remotely like that, it doesn't matter if I was getting paid for it, if it was my career or, you know, or it was you know, just a practical joke, I'm pretty sure my father would have beaten me to death. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I don't blame him. Like, you know, I'm going to be a school teacher. If I had some kid do that to me when I was a school teacher, I would have to, like, very, very, I'd have to have a lot of self-control not to smack the whole living shit out of that kid. Don't do it, man. You'll 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 lose your license. You'll end up having to go into porn or something. Now listen, uh, I'm porn or something? Are you kidding me? I, I've got this. I've, I could just do this all day. There you go, and get your welfare check for uh, being a metal uh, metal addict. So I want to play one more song from Blast Tyrant, and um, let me talk about the song this way. Before Blast Tyrant came out, I saw Clutch live. Uh, in D.C., as a matter of fact, I believe at the 930 Club, uh, a bunch of my friends and I, hi, Kat, we took a um, road trip down to D.C., and we saw Clutch, and we stayed in the hotel and everything, a whole bunch of us uh, Clutch fans. And they, you know, they're playing this set and everything, and we know all the songs, and then they, they, they brought it down, they dimmed the lights, and they played this song which apparently was used in The Walking Dead recently, um, which I just found out about today. I don't watch The Walking Dead, but um, I, I just as I, was doing, as I was doing some research for the show tonight, I noticed, like, hey, wait a minute, there's a lot of association with this song in The Walking Dead. I wonder why, and someone had to explain to me. And then I got this whole long other thing about how I'm missing out on not walking the walking, watching, watching The Walking Dead, but that's besides the you point. You are. It's, okay, fine. Uh, I'll get there eventually, folks. I, you know... Listen, if it ain't the wire, it ain't the shield, it's just going to take me some time. That's all I'm going to say. Now, listen, um, so I'm, I'm at the show, and they dim the lights, and they start to play this really, really slow kind of countryish ballad. And for the longest time, I was obsessed with this song, and they hadn't released it yet. And I was just 
scouring the internet trying to find this thing, and then eventually it would be released on Blast Tyrant. But I, I remember having to re-listen to all my Clutch albums trying to find the song because I hadn't realized it was a new one. Um, it's probably... I don't know if pretty <laughs> is the right word or if, or if that kind of work could be used to describe a Clutch song, but if anything ever approached pretty, it's this. This is The Regulator. Danny. Hi, Danny. 
he he wrote the following. He said, well, it was after Rick killed his best friend, Shane. Then he turned zombie. Rick's son, who was a a little 10-year-old, shoots Shane in the head, and all of a sudden the regulator begins softly. This is important because they don't use many songs that are licensed. Uh, I mentioned that it was that that sounded powerful, just that little description of it. And he said, yeah, it was one of those moments where you just – you just appreciate the mix of a great story and a perfectly fitting song. Um, so it's definitely a scene that I, I want to check out. I'll probably end up having to check out the whole show at some point. But uh, that, that's why I wanted to bring it up. Um, first of all, I absolutely love the song to death. Just love it to pieces. It's not, it's not every day that a, that a hard rock band you know, tackles country and tackles it well and really puts their own spin on it. Eh, I don't know about country. I might just not want to call it country because I have a real disdain for country living here in the South. <laughs> but I, I, oh, I really do. I get so tired of it. So but you shitty. don't think that there were elements of country in that song, but like with well, their no, own spin on it? Yeah, the, I'm, I'm not saying there were elements. I'm just saying I wouldn't quite call it country, but it's got it's. We'll call it. We'll call it bluegrass. There we go. <laughs> How do you feel about southern rock? Do you think can we go with southern rock? Maybe. Southern rock, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Southern rock's like country, but like they've added enough rock where it's diluted out. <laughs> and there's no fiddle usually. Yeah, hey, who doesn't love a little fiddle? Charlie Daniels, yay. Anyways, yes, I uh, like that song. Like I actually heard it because I was just kind of flipping like before before I called it in. I was just flipping through random cut songs on YouTube, you know, just suggestions, and I landed on this song because I was I think I'm this one of the songs that I missed. I landed and I'm like. Ah, oh, damn, this is really haunting, but I love it. <laughs> yes. That's the thing. Like, they would play it in the middle of their set, and they'd have to come back with something, like, poppy and, you know, and fast and happy because, like, the whole audience would be like, ooh. You know, and it's not, like, it's not a depressing song, but it's definitely one of those where it's so good, but it's so down. It it, it just takes the energy out of the room. It's a very powerful song. Uh, I've heard it, you know, millions of times now, but it's... It's one of those where, um, by itself, it can be, I don't know if depressing is the right word, but definitely um, morbid, you know, just, just yeah. very dark. Yeah, because I was about to say, I'm the guy that, like, I love doom metal, so, like, stuff like this, I'm like, you know, like, doom metal, for some reason, gives me strength. <laughs> I, don't listen to, I don't listen to doom metal when I'm sad. I listen, I listen to blues, because that's what it's for. There you go, yeah, that's right. That's right, that's what blues are for. Yeah, this like this song. I, I just loved it. I loved how it had an atmosphere. It really. I don't want to say. Yeah, it did have. A, it did have a country vibe, like something like really down, kind of down home. It did have kind of a country vibe, Southern rock, if you will, whatever you want to call it. I really. It sounds like really an angry Merle Haggard. <laughs> Merle Haggard. <laughs> that works. <laughs> so, and the next album. Uh, Robot Hive Exodus, 2005. It was a year later. They continued. They continued with the same theme of, um, and, you know, a theme for the album. They 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 took two really really odd elements and threw them together and came up with quite possibly one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in rock music. I mean, it is. This is this album is phenomenal, and just how different it is. A lot of the songs have been featured in different pop culture areas. Uh, actually, Demarcus Johnson came out to "Of Mice and Gods" at UFC 112. Um, yeah, they, they've yeah, used different. On yeah, they, they've used different songs here and there, but uh, they took gospel 
So they, you know, they experimented with these different sounds, and in this one, they were like, you know what? We haven't done yet. We haven't. We've done rap music. We've done doom. We've done country. We've done everything. What haven't we done? Well, we haven't done gospel. So fuck it. Let's do it. You know. So, <laughs> so it's like let's. Why not? Yeah, let's take the whole concept of celebrating Jesus Christ with music and turn it on its head. <laughs> so there's a sign. So it's like okay. So here's like gospel music and science fiction, and let's make a sandwich out of it and see what happens. It's you know, it's like you know, peanut butter and bologna. I just like it doesn't seem like it would work, but somehow or other it does, and it's weird. And one of the best examples of that, is, I guess the song's called Alpha Beta, but. It, but as it's said, as it's spelled out, is one zero 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 one 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 zero one zero one, and this is the probably the most incredible song I've ever heard ever in my lifetime, just for how weird it is, and and just how it incorporated gospel so effectively into a rock music song. So here we go. Super secret forums. 
But uh, what'd you think of that one? I mean, is that not crazy? Is that that's just a weird but effective song? It was really neat. I mean, uh, he really did sound kind of like a preacher at the pulpit, just kind of like directing the traffic and telling them the gospel about nuclear acid. <laughs> Smile, taste kittens. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, it was really cool. I mean, you don't think that would work. Like, oh, let's put gospel in our music. You know, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> I think that's also, the black it, metal band should do it. Black metal. Black metal and gospel. There, there we, we go. go. Um, <laughs> Death gospel. That'll be fantastic. That's the name of my new band, actually. Death gospel. Death gospel. Um, we will celebrate Christ through death. In any case, um, what, what I love about... <laughs> Well, and you again. I'm gonna go back to your your reference before about Mike Patton, where you have to you have to go back and just read the lyrics. You're like, what the, what did he just say? You're like, smile, his kittens, Temple of Syracuse. You're like, well, I don't understand anything, but it flows so well together, you know. And you have, and you listen to it over and over and over again. And there's stuff I hear like even now. I'll go back and I'm like, huh, I never picked that up before. Um, but it definitely also feels like he just took a bunch of words together, threw them on the floor, like, well, there's the song. <laughs> like, you know, I think I might be able to get a good groove in between these syllables. All right, there we go. Right. I mean, like, what, hey, what were you smoking when you came up with ribonucleic acid freak out the power of prayer? I actually have that as my like my little phrase on the 411 um, uh, writer's page. You know, everyone has their own profile, so like under, you know, so that's my like, profile phrase on the oh, actual site, not in the forums. Oh wow, okay, because I think I've seen it, but I didn't know anywhere to edit it, so I'm like, gee, that's kind of generic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we're going to stay in the church here, the Church of Clutch, and we're going to play Rob's pick. This is, and I want you to just think of like again, African American Baptist church where they're singing and everyone's dancing and, you know, when the cross, you know, and they're beating uh, they're ha- beating um, bangles and they're clapping their hands and they're all, like, jively, jively lively, swear to God jively. that isn't racist. They're um, jively. <laughs> jively. They're jively. They're, they're a jively people. Um, so this has never been moved. Baptist minister just, you know, side to side and smacking the Bible and 
and it and none of the lyrics match. You know, so, Saint Darwin. That's what he says in this. He laid that gospel down. There were people oh. who would burn Darwin alive in a Baptist church, but Saint Darwin he laid that gospel down in this song. They're tr- they're trolling. Like I never actually <laughs> caught that. So I was just so happy because I was actually like when I'm on doing this podcast, I want you to know that I pace because when I'm on the phone, I pace. So I'm sitting here <laughs> pacing around my room. Just kind of jabbing along. I'm like, man, I want to know what hymn they stole this from. <laughs> <laughs> like Rob's going to show up to his local church and be like, "Hi, can anyone explain to me where we where, where this came from? Because I don't get it." <laughs> old lady, old lady, you've been here for 50 years. Come on, you tell me. <laughs> you should see if you can get away with playing that in church before anyone. You know, kind of like the bit in The Simpsons where uh, Bart plays Inagata Devita, and everyone kind of knows what it is. And some of them are like, oh, I'm not sure about this one because of the way she's singing it. <sighs> see if you can get away with playing Never Be Moved before anyone figures out. Hey, wait a minute! Did they just say Saint Darwin? I actually used to play Freezing Moon by Mayhem in the church, like on my iPod. I'm just be like, <laughs> I'm clever. <laughs> <laughs> So, moving right along to 2007. So, okay, we they they had these, um, you know, they went back to these sort of concept uh, albums, these thematic albums. Uh, they started incorporating all of these different sounds in, these going in different directions, experimenting things, and everything was. They just hit it out of the park every single time. Everything has been just fantastic. And then <clears throat> in 2007, they released an album that I would simply call a celebration of music. You know, but the rock and roll comes from the blues, and Clutch, with this next album, really reminds us of that. In 2007, they put out from Beale Street to Oblivion, and it just it it just feels like an ode to great music. Um, I want to read a little bit of the Wikipedia entry on this. Uh, the title comes from a line in the song The Devil in Me and is named after the real Beale Street in Memphis, Tennessee. The song One-Eyed Dollar is a remake from the same track of Jam Room. The track Electric Worry is a partial cover of Mississippi Fred McDowell's song Fred's Worried Life Blues and features Eric Oblander of Five Horse Johnson, another stone rock band, on harmonica. It also shares a striking similarity to Boom Boom by John Lee Hooker and even including the Bang 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 variation he would do live. Um... So, yeah, this is a celebration of music and blues. And uh, for what have you heard of From Beale Street to Oblivion, what did you think of it overall? I definitely got that blues sound that you were talking about. I really enjoyed that. Like, you know, I'm starting to really start to love blues, stoner music, which this album brings in spades, diamonds, clubs, and hearts. It brings the whole deck. <laughs> it, uh, it does a really nice job of it, it does kind of feel like a tribute because, you know, these guys aren't exactly spring chickens. They've been around the block quite a while. And I think maybe they felt like it was their time to really just kind of give back, pay tribute to the stuff that they love. Absolutely. You know, some, just some music I mean, that really, you know, embodies it. And who out there in, like, modern, um, you know, heavy metal rock music, who out there is acknowledging that the roots of their music come from the blues? You know, I remember my um, when I was in grad school for social work, uh, they were trying to explain, you know, context and um, sort of you know, getting getting a history of people. And he and he was going through this whole thing. And his example was 
um, the like evolution of music, and he was talking about like it starts with the blues, and the blues beget this, and this beget this, and then and this is how we ended up with this here. And that's how he illustrated the point that he was making. And he lost everybody in the class but me because I was really into the fact that he used music as an example of this. Yeah. But um, yeah, but I don't know of, of a lot of a lot of rock bands out there that will acknowledge. I mean, they they might on some level, but no one's writing a tribute album to blues. And that's what Beale Street to Oblivion was. It was very much a, you know, we, we remember where we came from as a genre, and this is our celebration of it. Yeah, um, I, I, I really can't think of any idea. The only one I can think of right off the top of my head is, uh, you know, uh, you ever listen to any of Halford solo stuff in Halford? Maybe? Any? Yeah, he's got a song called Made in Hell, which is the story of metal. <laughs> and I always remember, yeah, he's got like a line, uh, something about uh, metal came from good old Seventh Blues. Yeah. Right, so here's a I mean, quote from Neil Fallon with regards to this first song we're going to play. We're going to play a song called Electric Worry. And it's a one-part cover song, one-part original. Half of each verse is taken from Mississippi Fred McDowell's Fred Worried Life Blues, as I said before. The rest is our own concoction. When we wrote the upbeat part of the song, I couldn't hear the typical blues sentiment. Instead, it became kind of a motivational speaker slapping himself out of a stupor. The chorus, bang, 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 vominos, vominos, has nothing to do with guns. It's got to start... Yeah, it got its start a long time ago with Tim, and I can't recall why. It said, Vominos, Vominos, Bang, Bang, and a little bit of John Lee Hooker, and there you go. Um, the ripping harp solo is none other than Five Horse Johnson's Eric O'Blander. Uh, you can also hear this. I think it's Left for Dead is the game, but uh, this is the this is the song that accompanied that commercial. So here it is, Electric Worry. <laughs> I recognize this song somewhere because I was like, burn, 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 burn. And I'm like, 
I'm like, I recognize this from somewhere, but I just can't place it. And now I know, it's from Left from the Left of Dead video game commercial. But yeah, it was awesome. Like, I just enjoyed this song. I get, it almost sounds like he's singing with marbles in his mouth. Because <laughs> he's got just, yeah, because he has such a... Uh, such Eddie Barr from Kurt Cobain. Hey, yeah, it's garble fucking thing, you know. I just like just like Weird Al pointed out, <laughs> but like it has such a twang to it, kind of makes it to where I'm like, I don't quite understand the the verses, but when you get the bang bang bang, I'm like, okay, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty wicked song. Um, you know, it, obviously it has all those blues elements to it. The harmonica adds uh, a really special sound to the song. It's it's just great, and when you hear it live. You know, and everyone's, I mean, it's one of those, like, you could definitely tell the more accessible clutch music from the less accessible clutch music because the girls like the more accessible stuff. So, like, they play Electric Quarry Live, and the girls come out of the fucking woodwork, man. All of a sudden, it's just all chicks going bang, 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 bang. You know, it's great, man. My wife loves that song. I mean, they they really had a hit there with that one. And it's, it's an awful shame more people don't know it because it's such a badass song. So it's actually more of a shame that they don't know Clutch did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Okay, uh, we're going to go ahead and play Rob's pick here, which is, uh, we talked a little bit about it at the top of, um, when we were talking about this album, it's called The Devil and Me. This is the most bluesy, the most groovy. Oh, 
I, I didn't think it could get. I mean, until I heard some of Earth Rocker, I didn't think it was going to get any better than from Peel Street to Oblivion. Quite frankly, this album. If Clutch had just stopped with From Beale Street to Oblivion, I'd have been okay with that because I don't think it can get much better than this album. Yeah, like that song, I was like, once I finished listening to that song, I had some chores to do, so I'm just like walking around the house going, and my mom's just like, shut up. She hates my air guitars. She's like, it makes you look like a three year old. I'm like, I don't have any three year olds air guitars. She's like, it makes you look immature. I'm like, that makes me look awesome. <laughs> yes, like that's the song. Like it really does have a nice groove to it, and it's it's not like the same type of groove in my opinion. You know, like they, the groove that they had in the other the earlier albums felt more like kind of like a rocky groove. This feels more like a blues oriented groove. If that makes any sense? Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Well done. That's kind of that's it, kind of what I get off get get from that. Get off, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely captured. I feel a lot of the old, you know, um, Tennessee blues in this album, which was the intention. Um, like I said, it's a celebration of music's roots, and it really comes out. And like I said, without losing any of that edge that makes it clutch, you know, it isn't like they like we're just going to do a blues album, and that's exactly what they did. It's still these are still quintessentially clutch albums. Okay, as yeah. the podcast winds down from the record from the live part of it, we're going to go a little into overtime here. We're going to be wrapping up shortly. Uh, please stay tuned because we're going to actually play a sample of the new album Earth Rocker, which we'll be re- reviewing in total in two weeks. We'll talk a little bit about more of what we're going to be doing over the course of April and May. So please come back and check out the archive version. If you're checking this out on uh, 401mania.com, uh, this will be up in the music zone uh, in the next day or so, so please look for it there, and you can hear the entire uh, podcast for the career retrospective of Clutch. Okay, so um, not that long ago, as a matter of fact, uh, Clutch put out another album. They put out some live stuff, uh, and in 2008, they put out an album called Strange Cousins from the West. And... Let me say that there's no such thing as a bad clutch album. But this one was, you know, Larry Zonka is very fond of saying about pro wrestling, you know, sometimes you, it's just a show. Nothing about it that's particularly earth-shattering. It's just a show. This was just a clutch album. You know, this this was one of those ones where it's not bad, but there wasn't anything about I'm like, my God, like I said, after after From Bill Street to Oblivion, I don't know what they were going to have to do to, to to be billed on that, surpass it in any kind of way. But um, in this particular one, they kind of took a step back and just made a rock album. You know, it's, again, not bad, but not the kind of music-redefining stuff that I had become accustomed to with Blast Tyrant, Robot Hive Exodus, and From Beale Street to Oblivion. Now, yeah. you got to hear some of this. What were your thoughts of um, Strange Cousins from the West? I definitely kind of liked it because I did, I did feel like it was more straightforward. Like, you know, after I found that we had the same picks and then I started listening to more of the album, I'm like, oh, damn, I should have picked other songs. Like <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. I was listening to Abraham Lincoln. I'm like, I dig this. This is really cool. 
like it, it's, it didn't have more of a hard rock feel, but it still kept elements of what they did do. So that's, it kind of makes it a little different than what they, than their older stuff, which was just more one one track. This was this was going down a track, but you had other options on where to take. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and we're gonna play the only track on this album. Uh, for tonight, we're just limiting, you know, where we're playing two and three tracks from other albums. We're only going to play one track from Strange Cousins from the West. It's, of course, it's the one that was like the big hit off of this thing, if, if you could say such a thing. This is, of course, 50,000 Unstoppable Watts. He got uh, like I don't even know him, and I'm like I just call him. Everybody else calls him that. I don't call him that. I don't call him twat. I call him fifty thousand unstoppable. That's awesome. <laughs> You're in a, the MMA zone. So awesome. You know, I started gravitating toward you guys because it's like the you are like the only group that actually talk about your uh, like what you all write about. Yeah, it's uh, given certain personalities and their uh, propensity for. Contentious argument. behavior. No, argument's <sighs> fine. It's more, uh, you know, like I was saying, there are some people who try to stay, most people try to stay away from confrontation, and then, then there are others who provoke it for some strange reason. So, you know, the MMA, the MMA zone's got its moments, let me tell you. But uh, that's all we're here theory. to talk about. The conspiracy theory of the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going we're gonna to start winding down here, and I do want to play uh, just a sample track of the latest Clutch album, Earth Rocker, which came out on March 19th, and in two weeks from today, we're going to actually review the album in total, but I do want to play just a smidgen of that. So um, let, let's do that now, and then we'll just kind of wrap with, the, with our total impressions of Clutch. This is from the album Earth Rocker. This is the best song I've ever heard in my life ever on this planet Earth, <laughs> and it's certainly the best song on Earth Rocker. This is DC Sound Attack.
the first time I ever heard collage was during your your Ground and Town podcast the other the other week where y'all were switching out uh you're switching out uh Jeff Harris for Rob the for uh, for Sam the Eagle himself. Yes. I remember you played that. I'm like, holy shit, this band is amazing. What have I been missing out on? <laughs> That's a, it was like it was like they almost like took an album off with with Strange Cousins from the West, and they came back so fucking hard, so strong with Earth Rocker. You know, and I guess some bands will do that. You know, they just they just put out an album. It's like, okay, well we've got these tracks mixed and we got some of the stuff going on here, so we'll. Uh, Put this album out, and then they, and then like, okay, now let's let's go back and really dig deep into our creative juices, and they fucking come up with this, you know, and it's just like, oh, thank God, because it's better than everything on Bill from Beale Street to Oblivion. I mean, it's just the best thing yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to listening to it because if it's if that whole album sounds anything like that, I am in for a treat. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's. It's a little all over the place, Earth Rocker, um, and this is by far the best track on there. But it's fucking amazing. I, you know, I don't like to curse a lot on these podcasts. You know, children might be listening, but damn it, if I've ever said an album is fucking awesome, it's this one. <laughs> so we'll be pre- we'll be reviewing that in two weeks, folks. I hope you come back if you've enjoyed uh, our career retrospective of Clutch, Robert. As I said, I am a missionary for. Hey the word of Neil Fallon that is clutch. And I preach the gospel, and I bring it to the masses. I brought it to you. What do you have to say about clutch in total, sir? What was this experience like for you? Well, I say, my brother, it was quite a journey. <laughs> yeah, it was It was a journey. I really I really liked it because I felt like we really got this, I really got to see an evolve, a panda evolve from just sounding like, you know, kind of sounding like okay, this is it's an early '90s alternative. Okay, they're just they're gonna have one album and they're gonna break up. No, they come back and they bring out something else. They bring something more, and then they bring more, and then they change it. Then they go back to roots and they bring more. It's just it's like they're never the same. That's great. It's I mean, some bands okay, like Amon Amarth, Amon Amarth, Nile bands like that. You know, you like them doing the same thing because it works. But a band like Clutch, they've shown they can do other things, and they've proved they can do it well. And it's just great that they do that. It's really nice. They've, like you've managed to make me a, a sizable fan of it. It's like I'm probably going to go preach Clutch to a few people. <laughs> Outstanding. Preach on, my brother. Preach the word. Let them turn the non-believers to believers. Um, as I said at the top of the podcast, for someone who isn't a musician, I appreciate. I'm a a musician's band. I, I appreciate uh, a band that con- con- constantly tries to redefine itself while staying true to its core. I appreciate people who actually know how to play their instruments and can do different things with them and are not afraid to color outside the lines. Clutch. Gospel. <laughs> gospel. <laughs> and the, yeah, that's gospel, because why not? Um, you know, Clutch is one of those bands that is always interesting to me. Even if their stuff's, you know, not maybe as good as the last album, it's still interesting and and I think that's the important thing to remember with any medium. It's, you know, you don't want to be served the same old thing over and over and over again. You need variety, you need things, you know, you need a restructuring of things, a reframing of things. And if there's one thing that Clutch does really really well, it reframes music. 
reframes music in a way that you didn't think it would work. And that's why, in my opinion, they're the greatest band no one's ever heard of. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. They're, they're in contention. They are in contention. They're the greatest. My podcast is the greatest band no one's ever heard of. Now, listen. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't here, youngin. <laughs> that's right. I'll tell Pappy what to do now. So he, um, all right. So two weeks we're doing Earth Rocker review, as I've said now, 57 times. Um, two weeks after that, we decided we were going to do the new Fin Troll. And I'm hopefully getting my buddy Calvin on that one because he does folk metal. All right, fantastic. We're gonna, you know, uh, I do like the folk metal. Again, I like interesting music. And the very first time I heard Trollhammer, and I, I, I was obsessed with that song for the longest time. So I'm excited. I've been to the parking lot. I've been <laughs> in the parking lot to that song. Oh, uh, Humpa is just the greatest like music to dance to besides you know everything Clutch ever did. So I, I, I do like I like the Humpa, uh, the, the folk Humpa. metal. Um, so we're gonna do we're gonna review the new Fin Troll in about a month. Um, two weeks after the new Fin Troll, what are we doing? Are we doing Spock's beard or are we doing Spiritual Beggars? I don't remember. Spiritual Beggars. All right, we're doing Spiritual Beggars, the new Spiritual Beggars you'll, album. You'll love you love them if you love Using Plus because they've got a really because you know it's Michael Amott from RTME Cargists, all those bands. It's just like it's just like tribute to blues and kind of hard like like hard rock, stoner metal. They've got a really good. Uh, Really nice vibe to them, real fun, real kind of smoky to them. And they've got the old singer from Firewind. So, if you like Firewind. Oh, fantastic. I love Firewind. Have you ever heard Firewind's cover of Maniac? It's fantastic. I have not. I have not. But I know you are the master, master, master of covers. You're pulling the strings. <laughs> That's right. Twisting your mind, et cetera, et cetera. All right. What do you got going on this week, Robert? Uh, as we talked about at the top of the show, you write the Metal Hammer of Doom. So, where can people read you? Where can they find you? What do you want to plug? Well, let's see. They can find me in the music section on Sunday nights for the Hammer of Doom, which it's monthly. It'll be monthly until the middle of May because I'm in school. And I promised my mom I wouldn't do write my column for the most part so I can focus on school. So I'll be doing a column at the end of this month, and then I'll be doing one at the end of April. And then after that, I'll pretty much be weekly. And I have no clue. I mean, we've got some big news. You know, I'm sure you heard Clive Burr died. They're sad. Sad, sad, sad. Yeah, we got stuff like that. Okay, so we've got that. Uh, anything I personally want to plug, let's see. I have my Since I Writer podcast, and I've still not yet recorded the second episode, too, but we're going to get to that. You can find that at sinceiwriterpodcast.blogspot.com. As the other podcasts, I've got another podcast that I'm going to start with my buddy Kevin, the one that gave commentary to, uh, <laughs> the one that gave plenty of fun commentary to Tomahawk, and me and his buddy Fletcher. Like the three, the three of us, we started a podcast called the Three Beards Podcast. What are we going to talk about? I don't know. Kevin hasn't said because I told him I'm only going to be on it if I don't have to edit because I hate audio editing. <laughs> so monotonous. <laughs> so yeah, I have all that. See anything else I have? I don't think so. I've got my column. I've covered my podcasts. I think I'm good. Oh, oh, one more thing. One more thing. I'm sure Mark's going to plug this. So yeah. When you can go on, go on the MMA zone to Full On Mania and the Factor Fiction. Go vote for Mark. Go do it and vote for Samer because I lost to Samer and I want him to win so I can say I lost to the champ. <laughs> <laughs> like, so close. I don't think so I'm going to be Butterfield. Last time I checked, I was down about ten votes. But yeah, if you listen yeah, to this you're... podcast and voting is still open, yeah, sure, go vote for me. You know, I'll make a roaring comeback and I can make it into uh, the final round. 
Yeah, I got so close to being Samer, which I knew I wasn't going to beat Samer, but I got close. <laughs> people like Samer, man. I mean, he he gets some shit from people, dude. but for the most part, oh, he's got some very he's got some very very interesting views on MMA, and people seem to gravitate towards him more so than some of the other writers. Uh, so I okay. do think I won. I do think I won because I, I read his answers. I'm like, mine are better. <laughs> I've, I don't even think Not... I read the column, and I just voted for you. No, so I was a typical American voter. Uh, don't worry, I voted for you. I voted for you blindly too. So don't worry. You're, <laughs> you're the only vote that I gave blindly. So I'm like, it's Mark. I have to vote for Mark. Outstanding. Okay, uh, a week from tonight, Long Road to Ruin returns with uh, a look at the Batman series of movies, uh, not the Chris Nolan ones. We're not there yet. We're going to be starting off with the Jack Nicholson, Michael Keaton, uh, Tim Burton. Batman, um, Batman Returns with Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer. Two weeks after that, we'll be doing the Yuck Years, the Joel Schumacher Years, and ugh. that credit card. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't want to talk about it, but yeah, well, it was Long Road to Ruin. We'll be examining uh, over over a month period the four uh, '80s Batman movies with um, oh, Michael Keaton so and two other people who played Batman. So we'll be doing that. Um, told you about the music podcast. Every Sunday night at 9 o'clock is the MMA 401 Ground and Pound Radio with myself, Pat Mullen, Robert Winfrey, and, of course, Jeff Harris. Um, we're we're moving into a more topical uh, kind of show. Yes, we'll be breaking down cards, but we're also wanting to look at some of the some of the serious issues in MMA and give it some discussion. So, you know, we're, we're tweaking the format a little bit to differentiate ourselves from another great podcast, which you can re, you can listen to on 401 Mania, which is uh, Jeremy Lambert's Man Cave. You know, him and Samer do a great job, and we don't want to do the exact same podcast, so we're, we're tweaking the yeah. format a little. Yeah, because um, I listen to I download yours on Mondays, and I go find theirs usually during the middle of the week. Yeah. You know, they're pretty um, great, but they do kind of cover the same stuff. Yes, yes, yes they do. Yeah, sorry. I mean, there's different opinions, and they do. They have a different style. But I mean, after a while, it's like how many how many ways can you say GSP is going to beat Nick Diaz? Um, and speaking yeah. of which, last week I was on the Casual Heroes podcast over on the CasualHeroes.com. We were talking about all the MMA coming up in the UFC in the month of April. Uh, we talked about some, you know, we talked about some other stuff. So I got to be the analyst on that show instead of the host, you know, or the referee, as it were. So that that was fun. Um, of course, as Robert said, I'm in uh, Factor Fiction from Monday against John Butterfield. I'm only down 10 votes. If 10 of you listening to this podcast go right now and vote for me, I could eke out a victory here because uh, I want to beat this guy. I want to continue on in the tournament if for no other reason than to validate that my opinions are not all that wacky. So, um, God, no. that has been crazy. Like almost low, all the low seeds in the other bracket have just like destroyed everybody. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty cool. I'm enjoying it. I, I like Factor Fiction is one of the few MMA projects that everyone contributes to that I actually participate in. Oh, I, don't, I love I, it. I, yeah, I mean, I might actually do all the King's Men too if I have time, um, but I don't do I the round table. Yeah, that one. I think they already. Yeah, he already closed it. Did he? Yeah, well, oh well. See, that's the problem is I don't get to with these things early enough. This, that's the problem with a lot of the top fives in the music zone or the movie zone where I'm like, oh, I have ideas for them, and then I just don't, sit, I don't have time to sit down and write them. In any case, check out Factor Fiction where I did have time to write um, and vote for me. Yay. Um, this Thursday night, uh, I get to cross something off my bucket list. I'm going to be live on Press Row for Bellator in Tampa. Oh. Um, 
The USF Ooh. Thunderdome, baby. Uh, the USF Bulls. What? The USF Bulls. Uh, it's a real song, by the way. Um, so yeah, I will be at Bellator to watch uh, Emmanuel Newton knock out uh, Mikhail Zayat. That'll be fun. Um, the dream is so- true. The dream is true. Emmanuel that's right. Newton, the King Mo Killer. Yeah, that's right. Time the hardcore kid. Time to murder Time it. Time to murder it. Um, and I'll be there to watch the Ottawa murderize with, uh, Don Rickles or whatever the hell is David Rickles. That'll Don be Rickles. fun. <laughs> Dude, it'd be awesome if Ottawa actually knocked out Don Rickles. Awesome. Who's <laughs> next, <Al> <laughs> Forget it, man. Just take them all out. Time to murder it. Um, so, yeah, so check out my live coverage for Bellator. Um, and then uh, I think that's it. I think that's, that's all she wrote for this week. So we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you very much for hanging out with us tonight on the 411 Music Zone podcast. We'll see you then. Um, and for once, for the first time, Going forward, here it is. All of the Radlich and broadcasting outro music is going to be this song. Hit it!